morning, everybody. Brandon Oaks standing in for Josh today here at the Gaffer Ministry. So, I had to say the Lord's Prayer this morning because that is my segue into what we're going to talk about this morning, which is prayer. We're going to go back to basics. We're going to put the fun in fundamental. So we prayed the Lord's Prayer. For a lot of us, that was kind of the first prayer we learned. And the majority of it is directly from the Bible. So if we can turn to Matthew 6, and we're going to start at verse 9. Everybody wants to do that? Oh, hey, you know what? We completely skipped over praise and worship. You were supposed to stop me way sooner than that. This is what happens when you get the amateur in here. So, that's you guys want to you want you want to pause and sing now, or you want to sing afterwards? You're the boss. All right, everybody wants to sing afterwards. It's actually you know what that'll actually work really well. Okay. Okay. Everybody want to go to kids' church? All the all the littles want to go to kids' church. Oh, that would have been so on point for last week's message. <laughs> so, uh, Matthew 6, we're going to start in verse 9. We'll do that while we're transitioning. I got so nervous because the boss was here. All right, we all uh, we all made it to Matthew six, Matthew six, verse nine. Yes. <clears throat> now I'm reading from the King James. Josh makes fun of me because he says he has to take the other Bible out of the pulpit when I when I speak. So your translation will be a little bit different, but it's, it's pretty close. Now this is after Jesus was uh, he was tempted in the devil. He's returned to Galilee. He's teaching in the synagogues. Large crowds are starting to follow him. He goes up on the mountain and gathers his disciples, and he gives probably one of his, his most influential sermons. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, not a particularly uh, uh, creative uh, title. And he's, he's answering his disciples and how they are instructed to pray. After this manner, therefore ye pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptations, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now this wasn't an instruction on, hey, I want you guys to just say this prayer. This was an instruction in how to pray, that this was the manner in which you were to pray. So, after this manner, therefore, we pray. So we're going to go through this, essentially, line by line, and what is our instruction 
in how do we pray? Because a lot of times I think we struggle with that, right? They're like, hey, I, I, I want to approach God, I want to pray, but I just don't know where to start. So we start with who? We're going to do who, what, when, where, why. So first, who? Our Father, God. Right? That one's pretty easy. Who are we praying to? God, right? We only have one God to pray to. Hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed from the Greek hagazo, which is to make, render, or declare as holy. That's pretty powerful stuff, right? We want to make, render, or declare as holy God's name. We want to bring reverence and worship what? The Father's name. And in Jewish tradition, names have very powerful significance. They meant something to the person they were attached to. Okay, They, they described that person. It wasn't just like, my name is Brandon and it doesn't mean anything in our culture other than the fact that that's what people call me. But in Jewish culture, it, it described the person. All right. There's a whole other sermon in here somewhere that we'll do sometime about the name of God. Believe me, there's a lot of material there. But trust me when I say there is enormous significance when you start talking about someone's name, and especially the name of God. In modern Jewish tradition, um, many Jews will not even write the name of God fully for fear of blaspheme. There's, it's, when you start talking about making the name of God holy, it is a powerful statement. So when we start talking about making the name of God reverent, making, making it hallowed, we're getting into that meditative approach, that holy approach to God in reverence right in the first line. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We're taking another huge bite right in the, right in the second verse. So depending on the translation, this can be kingdom as in a physical kingdom or like the reign of a king. And if we put it in context with the next two verses, it makes it a little clearer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's pretty clear. God rules over heaven. Everyone here fully knows God. Everyone, everyone there fully knows God. Everyone in heaven fully knows God. They can fully see the face of God. So our prayer should be just as in heaven, God's will is fully fulfilled here on earth that everyone comes to a full knowledge of him, including us. That just as in heaven, God's will is done here, and just as in heaven, the kingdom is fully realized here. And this is also, this thy kingdom come, is a recognition of Christ's second coming, that the, the, full, uh, the full realization of the gospel, thy kingdom coming. Thy will be done. That could probably be your entire prayer life right there. Lord, thy will be done. You could simply just approach your entire prayer life right there. Lord, thy will be done. Not mine, not anybody else's. Just simply humbly approach God and say, 
Lord, thy will be done. We can wrap it all up right there. New record for shortest sermon. (laughs) There are going to be a lot of times when we petition God in prayer and we're going to say, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I want. But you just can't have that be the whole sentence. It has to be, Lord, this is what I want, but only if it's your will. And that's even how Jesus prayed. And, you know, if we're following the example of Jesus, I think we're doing it okay. Before he went to the cross, he he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus wasn't looking forward to going to the cross. And I don't think any one of us would be either. He knew what lie in store for him. He knew he was going to die a horrible, physical, human death. And he prayed to the Father, please don't make me do this. Take this cup from me. If if it's your will. But if that's not your will, we're going to do it your way. Let your will be done. Here, just like it is there. Give us this day our daily bread. If we... Go to Philippians 4.19. Let's do that. Nikki says I don't give people enough time to turn to, uh, turn to the readings, that I just shoot them out there too quick. So trying to improve, honey. So if we go to Philippians 4.19. Well, <laughs> we need a support group for people who have to preach in front of their wives. We all good there at 419? Philippians 419? But God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Pretty plain. Do we need to worry about anything? We don't. Why? Because we got Jesus. He's going to provide. 1 Peter 5, 7. We don't have to flip there. I'll give you that one. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And if you go back to, uh, to the original Greek on that, it's cares is literally any concern you have for anything or anyone. It's all-encompassing. It's, in the, it, it's anxieties in some translations. It's literally any worry you have about a person or a thing. There's, there's nothing that, that, that the word cares 
in that original text doesn't cover. So anything you're like, well, does this really apply? It applies. It's in there. So bring your troubles to the cross. Give them over to the Lord. They are not yours to bear. The original word translates to solicitude, care or concern for some, someone or something. But remember, it's thy will be done. So you have to pray with a right heart. God, heal me if that's your will. And if not, give me peace. Lord, give me understanding. Lord, help me win the lotto is petitioning God for greed. That's not how it works. Praying your football team wins probably isn't right-hearted either. Unless you're a Catholic and it's Notre Dame. I think they allow, I think they allow that. <laughs> so if you'll permit me just a little side tangent. Bringing your petitions and your witness to the body can be an opportunity for witness and to let us bear each other's burdens. We talked last week about uh, a person that a lot of us have the hardest time forgiving. And I think a lot of us were able to honestly say that, that the person we have the hardest time forgiving is that person in the mirror. And how often is it that way with our prayer requests too? No problem bringing something to the body and going, man, my neighbor's got a problem. But when it's us that's hurting or afraid, how often do we struggle to go, I need your prayer. I need your prayer. I need the body's prayer. Or if it's something really personal that maybe we aren't comfortable sharing with the body because it's a little, a little close, how, how hard is it even sharing that with our personal prayer partner? I encourage you to pray for each other and sharing your requests actually is a way of sharing your witness and giving that other person or the body permission to also be vulnerable, to also say, it's okay that I'm a little broken. And I'm saying that not as somebody who's like, hey, I've got this sorted. I say this as a guy who's going to confess to you today that I have had this weakness. That I wish that when my wife fell ill, I was strong enough to raise my hand and say, pray for me. My wife has cancer and I'm afraid. And I couldn't. But I will next time. But I was afraid, and I needed prayer, and I was too vain to ask for it. I was too afraid. I don't think anybody is shocked by that revelation, and we all have those hidden hurts. And by your bravery to share your witness and your bravery to share your weakness and your bravery to say, I am faithful enough to bring it before God. You will help your brother. You will help your sister to say, if they can bring their broken to the cross, 
I can bring mine too. So your weakness is an opportunity to witness. Your weakness is not weakness if it is in Christ. Your weakness is in strength. He will take your weakness and he will use it for his purpose. So pray for our daily bread, our physical needs. Certainly we should pray for those things. Our Bible, the Bible tells us to bring our concerns to God. But the Bible tells us in a whole bunch of places not to worry about that too much. So, does it seem a little odd that Jesus would tell the disciples to pray for their daily bread when giving them a template on how to pray and mean their physical well-being? So, let's turn to John 6, verse 35. John 6, 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. So is it more likely Jesus is telling the disciples to pray to God every day that he doesn't let them starve to death physically? Or do we think... He's telling them to ask God every day for the spiritual nourishment they need. Literally Jesus telling us that we need Jesus every day to say nourished in the spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Every day, every day. It's not your daily bread. It's not the wonder bread you need. You have got to go to the cross and get the bread of life, Christ Jesus, every day. And if you've got that, the rest of it's going to sort itself. You need that daily nourishment of Christ Jesus, and if you've got that, you're going to be okay. Because this is not where we live. We live there. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Grace, folks. There was kind of an amateur hack guy up here preaching on that last week. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Dex. <laughs> the thing we need more than anything is forgiveness, right? What's, what's the... What's the fundamental thing Christ came for us to do? Wash away our sins, right? Otherwise, we, we're, otherwise we're dead, literally dead. We're dying an eternal death. Come to Christ with a repentant heart. Ask for that grace. And then the second part of that is just as important as the first. We forgive our debtors. Or we, for, for, we ask him to forget our, forgive our debts. And we must forgive our debtors. 
God demands it. He demands that we forgive others. Period. You can't have A without the B. All right? We can't ask for love without giving love in return. We cannot ask for forgiveness without forgiving in return. And don't forget the person in the mirror. We got to forgive everybody. And that includes forgiving ourselves and accepting the grace that is so freely given. Right? We know God forgives everybody, even the most, we talked about this last week, even the most repugnant person in the world, if they have a repentant heart, is forgiven. And that means you got to also say, you know what? Me too. Me too. Got to accept that grace for yourself. Don't forget the guy in the mirror. He needs you, and he needs Jesus. Next line. <laughs> Lead us not into temptations, but deliver us from evil. So the Greek word there in temptation, I'm going to slaughter the pronunciation. If anybody wants me to spell it for you so you can deep dive the Greek, I'm happy to. Parismon, P-E-I-R-A-S-M-O-N. It's the same temptations that used there is the same temptations that's used in our next scripture, which is going to be Matthew chapter 4, verse, starting in verse 1. We want to go there. Matthew 4, verse 1. <clears throat> It's just one, should be about one page, maybe two pages back from uh, our first sermon, our first scripture there, the Sermon on the Mount. This is when, just before Jesus' ministry really gets started, he's being tempted by the devil. Matthew 4 1. Then Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We're going to unpack this. So, how does Jesus beat the devil? Audience participation. How does Jesus beat the devil? By quoting scripture. Right? By quoting scripture. The word of God. That's your Bible, folks. Knowledge of that book is your real world weapon against Satan. It is the sword of the Spirit. That book will literally save you from the tempter. Knowledge of the book will save you from the tempter. It is your weapon against Satan. Jesus himself used it to defeat the devil, to beat temptation. Ma'am. It's so cool because God led me to this this week of study, so how like amazing. <laughs> but also we have to realize that 
So Psalm 119, verse 11, you don't have to turn there. Thy word have hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You're going to take the word, you're going to put it right in here, and then you, as a weapon to not sin, as your weapon to not sin. And the Bible is very clear on this. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is your literal spiritual weapon against sin. Your literal spiritual weapon against the devil. <clears throat> and again, in that common theme, God is the nourishment you need. You don't need to turn the rock. Is God perfectly capable of turning a rock into, into a bagel? Absolutely. 100%. Bagel with a schmear, not a heavy lift. Loaves and fishes, right? He did it. He fed the multitude with only five loaves. Totally in his wheelhouse. But that is not the nourishment that you need. God is the nourishment you need. The bread of life, the word, the sword of the spirit. Which is in Ephesians 6, if you want to read about the sword of the spirit. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what ye are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. This is an often misrepresented piece of scripture. God won't give you things that you can't bear. No. Life will throw things at you that, is going to, that are going to crush you. Okay, Bad things are going to happen to you in this lifetime. God will not tempt you in sin past what you can resist. Big difference. Everybody understand the distinction there? People misquote that all the time. Oh, God won't, God won't give you things that you can't handle. No, life is going to give you stuff you can't handle. Okay? But God will not tempt you in sin past what you can resist. Understand the distinction there? A hugely misquoted uh, or misrepresented piece of scripture there. For thine is the kingdom. That word kingdom again. God's glorious kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom here on earth. And the power and the glory forever. Amen. When we pray, we need to humbly acknowledge that the power is whose? God's and God's alone. And that all things are possible through him. And take time to bring glory to his name. Acknowledge that glory. Acknowledge his mercy. Acknowledge that the reason we're praying is that we are powerless. And that it's all possible through him. That's why we bring him our petitions. Is that, God, we can't do it. We can't do it. It's, it's on you. And all we can ask for is that your will be done and that you can help me find peace in it. So, quick recap. Who? God in heaven. What? For the will of God in all things, that we may forgive others, 
and for so for our own forgiveness and that we may have the strength to forgive others. When? Thessalonians says, without ceasing, be in prayer and thanksgiving as often as you can, even if that's just meditative prayer of trying to keep your mind towards God and try to be right-minded. But Yes, bless you, man. Where? Where should we pray? In the kingdom of God, which is where? Everywhere. That's the whole idea. We're expanding the kingdom. We're bringing the kingdom to everywhere, heaven and earth. Why? Because our God is an awesome God and all things are possible through him and in him alone. And he is worthy of our praise. So there's your who, what, when, where, why. Dax isn't in here for my amen. I've been robbed again. I've been robbed again. All right. So, church, even though it was entirely by accident that, uh, that we are doing the music in the end, what I'd like to do is this. I'm guessing there's some people in here got something heavy on your heart. So, I'd like anybody who's got another prayer request that they haven't shared yet, don't feel obligated to share it with the body. If you want to share it with the body, share it with the body. If you can't share it with the body, I want you to share it with one other person. If you can't share it with one other person and you've never given it to God before, I want you to do that now. Give it to God if you've never given it to God before. And then what we're going to do is we're going to do our praise and worship music. I'm going to act like I planned it this way. I was going to put a song on, but then we're going to do our prayer, our, our uh, prayer and praise music. And while we're doing that, Sing if you're compelled to sing. Pray if you're, if you're compelled to pray. I'm going to be up front. Anybody that wants to come up and pray, come up and pray with me. Anybody that's compelled to pray where you're at, pray where you're at. There's no wrong way to approach God physically. You can do it anywhere you want to as long as your heart is right. And we just reviewed God's instruction on how to do that. So with your heart right, let's just spend our time in music using that for time for time for prayer as, as you feel called to do it. Does anybody have anything they want to share with the body before we before we do that? Don't feel don't feel don't, this is not, not not by compulsion. Go ahead, honey. Well, and, and something I didn't talk about before uh, is also, you know, the power of, of intercessory prayer, right? The power of, you know, you, you bring your petition to God, but <clears throat> if we, you know, just like when we, we sing together, the, the power of many people uh, asking God, right? You know, if... if Josh asked me to pray for something, or I asked Josh to pray for something. The power of, of me also petitioning God on his behalf is, is powerful. You know, sharing, sharing these things together and praying together is, 
is powerful. Exactly, hundred percent. Where two or more of you are gathered, there is there is strength in community, and we've, we've talked about this a lot. There's strength in community. There's strength in fellowship. There's strength in coming together as a body. Um, and you know, God hears your prayers when you're alone, but He's also there's strength in 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 the witness of sharing your prayers. And there's also there's uh, like like Nikki was saying. So anybody have anything they want to share with the body? Don't feel obligated, but if if there's any, anything anything other than what we already have on the prayer list they want to share with the body before we go into the music and the prayer time. I'm so, um, those of you know, Brenda and Chad, for the last couple weeks we've seen her in her band. She's had a six-continent um, She was in Marshall. So we need to be praying for them because they found out if they had to surgically be removed, Oakland does not take their insurance. So then she found a surgeon here in water because the water Yeah. 